0: I'm so curious if you think it's possible for like young writers to come up and like make a living in today's world.
1: They all rely on freelance writers to provide content for them. And I think the reason I've been successful in the past three years is because of this network
0: This is Philip Van Nostrand, and you are listening to the Epic Freelance Life Podcast, how to make more money and live an epic freelance life. All right, welcome back. We are here talking about how to live an epic freelance life with Stephanie Kane. Stephanie, why don't you say hi and introduce yourself?
1: Hey, Phil, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm a freelance journalist, so that's what kind of brings me here today to talk just about navigating the publishing landscape, being a content strategist, and probably weddings too. So um, in my career, yeah, as a freelance writer, I um, cover mostly lifestyle topics, but I write a lot about weddings and a lot about wine. So those are two of my favorite topics.
0: Wedding and wine, the two W's. (laughs) When I met you, you weren't a full on freelance um, journalist. What You've had a couple career paths, I think, in the past 10 years or whatever. Can you tell us a little bit, just a little like where you came from and, and where you are now?
1: Absolutely. So I've been a journalist, I would say, for almost 15 years now. Oh. But like your traditional idea of a journalist, uh, you work for a publication. So I've worked as an editor at publications that you would see in the checkout aisle at the grocery store back when we had print magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wine Spectator, which is a wine magazine, Elite Traveler, which is a luxury lifestyle magazine for people who own private jets. So okay. that was a fun one. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, also The Knot, uh, the wedding magazine, which mm-hmm. is how I met you. Um, and then I've also worked doing content strategy for e-commerce brands a lot of tech kind of startups here in New York City in the early 2010s when there was a bubbling startup scene and tech sector here in the city. So having, yeah, so, you know, while I was working in some content strategy, I was also freelancing on the side here and there, um, including writing about weddings for Brides Magazine, Mm. which was cool. And so, you know, I kind of got tired over you know, over a decade of, of being in an yeah. office. And yep. as a writer, you know, you always knew that freelance writer, freelance journalist was an option for you. The okay. way that publications are structured is that they all rely on freelance writers to provide content for them. Yeah. And it was intriguing to me and for my lifestyle at the time. And I had always kind of in the back of my mind thought I would want to do that one day. And so about three years ago, I decided to go full-time freelance, which brings me to living my epic freelance life.
0: Yes. Okay. I love that. So now can, I, wanna, I want you to brag a little bit. What are some of like the notable names that you're writing for these days? And um, what are you proud of?
1: That's a great question. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of a lot of things that I do, but I would say that the, the four main places that I contribute to pretty regularly currently are the New York Times, Brides, Fortune, and Vine Pear, which is a, an online wine publication. Super cool. Everyone should check it out.
0: Awesome. And uh, yeah, that's so cool. I, I think it's like, I don't know. It, it, you are living what many people dream of trying to do by coming to New York, you know, like writing for the New York Times regularly and writing for, for brides or these like uh, wine magazines. I think it's amazing. Um, did it feel easy or hard to get to where you are now and there's no right answer to this question
1: i would say both actually Mm. um maybe a little bit on the harder side of things but there's kind of an outside force that has always made it a bit more of an uphill battle as a freelance journalist so the publishing industry I'm, i'm sure a lot of people are aware has just been on the decline for the entire 15 years that I've been in this industry and even prior to that. And there's been some steep kind of cliff sides that's fallen off, like in the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. And then last year with COVID, just budgets being slashed, teams are, you know, tons of journalists are being laid off uh, across all different publications. They used to be these, you know, magazine mastheads used to be dozens and dozens of people and now it's kind of a skeleton crew and so it yeah. has made it more challenging i would say than maybe being a freelance journalist back in the heyday of magazines sure, you know sure. 40 years
0: ago well yeah and and that's been yeah it's so interesting because you're right it's a, it's an industry that is like starving to death basically or, or like slowly disappearing um but somehow you are making a living off of it and so how is that even possible like yeah how do you make money (laughs) that's what I want to know
1: well so being a freelance journalist kind of works in two ways Mm -hmm. Um, you can either pitch ideas to an editor at a publication and they can say yes this is something that we would want to include in our coverage or no hey try again another time. Um, The other way is that you are kind of, you know, regularly contributing to a publication where they want to send you assignments. And that's because you've built a great relationship with that editor, they've worked with you before, they know that you do good work, and they know that they can count on you to write x number of articles each month, or whatever kind of the cadence is. So those are two big things. And I would say that Uh, one thing that's helped me a lot is to have a mix of those, right? Uh, I absolutely love coming up with story ideas. That ideation part of it is something that is very exciting to me, but it's also a lot of work for maybe not getting any payoff. You know, the number of times I've sent off five, six ideas, well thought out that maybe took me hours to put together and to have them all be a no, or you just don't mm-hmm. hear back from someone is the absolute <laughs> worst. And yeah. so, you know, by having some that were always, are always assignments is I can kind of count on a certain amount of income and a certain amount of work every month. And mm-hmm. then from there, I can determine how much I really want to be pitching.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I have a travel writer friend. She's kind of from the old school life as well. Um, and I, I think she had the same thing. She had an agreement with It might have been Fortune even um, or Forbes travel, actually, to like to just write three articles a month, no matter what. And I think it was like she wasn't she was on contract with them, basically. So is that what you're describing, like having a contract sort of agreement to to write out X amount of articles a month and they pay you X dollars? Is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think some are officially contracts, and other times it's just kind of an unsaid, hey, you're my go-to person on this topic. I, you know, expect this. This is what we're kind of doing. Or you just fall into a rhythm that you know that it's going to kind of come along. So I think it works both ways.
0: And and is it easy for you to just, like, come up with articles every month? (laughs) For some reason, that feels really hard for me, but that's not my job, obviously, so... um,
1: I will say before the pandemic... And when we were, you know, out and about seeing people all the time, Mm -hmm. it was actually pretty easy because you might have a three minute conversation with someone and it would spark an idea, or you would go to an event and you'd be observing what's going on in the world, or you would be at a conference like engage and someone would stand up on the stage and tell their story or explain their opinion. Mm -hmm. And it might even just be an example that they gave while they were supporting their argument that they're making. And it would just be a light bulb in my head. And I would think, oh, that's a great story idea. Let me write that down. Uh, But I would say being at home is a lot harder to come up with story ideas, because it's not just naturally happening. You have to really go out of your way to try to find it.
0: Yeah. Um, And so that's
1: been a really interesting learning experience for me in the last year.
0: That's, that's funny. You're basically experiencing a lot less life right now. (laughs) Sort of, right? Like, um, in the outside world. And so, yeah, that's interesting. So there's a lot less, um, random ideas that are coming your way. You really have to like work at it or, or I guess go out of your way to talk to a lot of people like, and, and then see what comes up, but it still must feel different. I want to know. So part of living an epic freelance life for me is, um, sort of having the freedom one to be my own boss and travel or like travel and work or work and travel. And, um, I know that you and your husband love to travel and, and so I kind of want to know maybe where was the last place you'd been? I think you were traveling really recently. Um, Right now it's March 26th, 2021. I want to know where you've been and where you are going next.
1: That's a good question. So what we've done, um, I guess since I guess we started last year um, in late summer was the first time that we did a little getaway because the numbers were so low here in New York City. Mm-hmm. And we've been going to the Catskills. We went to the Poconos. We went to the Berkshires, and we're staying at all these kind of cool like boutique hotel properties. Mm-hmm. And I keep joking that it's like Brooklyn chic in the mountains yeah. outside of New York City. I know exactly have, what you're describing. Yeah, yeah it's got—they have a vibe. Uh, they're almost all these, you know, couples from New York City that have yep. put together these beautiful properties and kind of turned them into these little just escapes. Um, that are all two hours. They're all drivable from New York, and it's just. A breath of fresh air, to put it literally, when you go out to um, so these more rural destinations. We're just kind of hanging out on the property. They have really good food. Uh, you can read by the fireplace for the wintry ones that we have gone to. I so love that. I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. My, I'll tell you the three favorite that we did, though. Okay, great. Um, we went to this place called the De Bruce. Um, And their parent company is the Foster Supply Company, and they have a few different properties kind of scattered around the Catskills. But their food was amazing, absolutely amazing, like blew my mind. And it was the first time that we, you know, really eaten in a restaurant also in months. And so to be Uh... sitting there and having someone serve you a, a tasting menu where you didn't have to make a choice, you didn't have to cook anything. You didn't have to do the yep. dishes. I, yeah. I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. To be honest.
0: So funny. You are traveling, um, even having a kid and sometimes you travel with your daughter and sometimes you don't. Is that what I, I heard?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's nice as parents, though, to get a little bit of a break. Um, I, you know, yes. I think that pre previous to the pandemic, you know, my husband and I were out and about enough with like work sort of engagements or to see friends during the week that we felt like we had a little bit of distance from her you know like yeah. it's nice to just have a break and not think about taking care of your child for two hours or whatever it is and then obviously being homebound because um, we never left New York City during the pandemic and we obviously didn't have we didn't see anyone so you know we didn't even see my in-laws who do t- kind of take care of our daughter at times and so it was a it's been nice to be able to take a step back away and, you know, let her have some alone time too. I think she (laughs) likes it when she's not hanging out with
0: us. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I love all that. Okay. So, so on these little excursions, are you on full vacation mode or do you work and play at the same time? Like, are you writing while you're out there or are you like, I don't know, taking ideas or interviewing people or are you just like pure escape?
1: You know that that, i guess that's been another change with the pandemic Mm -hmm. i guess the pandemic has changed everything um (laughs) before before you know we would go for two three weeks at a time to whatever destination we were going to uh because we'd be flying there usually and we'd rent an apartment or airbnb a lot of times and i would we would just work from there we would get up in the morning we'd find a local coffee shop or like a cool nook in the Mm. place we were staying And we would each work. And then the afternoon and evening, we would go out and explore the destination. And that was a really, yeah, that was a a really, really good schedule that, you know, allowed us to kind of get some things done as well as be in another place and not feel like it was work, work, work at home. And then when you leave, it was only play. Um, And then it also allowed us to travel more often because we could work from wherever we were. I guess it's a bit of like that digital nomad lifestyle.
0: Yeah, Uh, I love that.
1: but since, you know, since the pandemic, and we're not going away any, like, anymore, really. And, you know, these getaways are just for a long weekend kind of thing, like a Friday to Sunday, or Thursday to Sunday, I've been trying to just decompress, okay, not take my computer, uh, not, you know, hang out on social media, not mm-hmm. be posting anything. I just really tried to, like, take my books and magazines and chill out and just relax and- and I think that the, the the places that we've been picking really promote mm-hmm. that as well.
0: I, I'm so curious if you think it's possible for like young writers to come up and like make a living in today's world. And what what would you say? Like, could anybody be a journalist? <laughs> <sighs>
1: You know, I feel like in my writer's groups, this is such a com- topic of conversation. Yeah. Anytime someone drops in there and says, hey, you know, I know this person in college and they're looking for an internship or they want advice on starting out. And the natural reaction from everyone is just like, don't do it. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, that's what because I figured. It, it's, it, it's definitely really challenging today. And I think that it's not necessarily challenging to find outlets to write in, you know, they definitely still exist. And maybe they're not your traditional glossy magazine, um, or even a major heritage newspaper, but lots of other sites are popping up. There's a lot of content marketing style work that you can do with brands. But, you know, the, the fees that some of these companies are offering it it just means you have to do so much work to be able to kind of pay your rent and (laughs) your electricity bill kind of thing um and i would say that when you're younger too you don't necessarily have this like massive rolodex of people and contacts and just anyone that's going to pass along your name to kind of get in the door at certain places um and so i do think that it's not impossible, but I think it's so much more challenging for someone starting out today than yeah. even when I started out. I think the reason I've been successful in the past three years is because of this network of people in publishing and content of all forms across you know, all of New York City and beyond that I've built up. And when I've worked with these people yeah. for maybe seven to 10 years, it's really easy for them to refer you because they know... The quality of work that you do and it's a little harder to to have that kind of trust yeah. marker if you're on the younger side uh, of, of course things. so
0: i i mean but yes so so what you're saying is like your success is built on the on like your network and the relationships that you cultivated over 15 years um
1: i mean i i definitely yeah. think that that's a huge part of my ability to freelance of successfully course. today but, absolutely like,
0: There can't be a world where there's no new writers, right? Because eventually, like, this, this generation will die out. And then what's what's next? So, well, there has to be new writers. And I want to know maybe like, what kind of personality should they have if they want to succeed in, in this kind of like cutthroat industry?
1: Oh, uh, that's a really great question. you know
0: what I mean because that some some young kid from n y u is gonna graduate and and like and pursue this no matter what, and I want to know like who you think it is that's gonna succeed as a freelance writer because it's such a hard job to make a living in, even just like photography almost but like but uh, yeah, but there has to be something that's gonna work, don't you think
1: yeah, absolutely i mean, of course, I mean, I think that you know one option is to definitely look for staff jobs at different types Mm. of publications and companies that have robust content programs. I think that that's one of the best ways, um, because then you're gaining your clips, you're gaining experience, you're meeting people, but you're also getting a regular paycheck. Um, and I think that that's really, really helpful. Um, and in like a similar vein, you know, you can also be a freelance writer and have a day job. That's something else entirely. Um, I do know people who work in other elements of marketing or business, but they love writing. And so they do that, you know, in their own personal time. Mm. And it might not be full time writer, but they're still able to kind of scratch that itch and like be a part of it and build their clips. Well, again, still having like a regular paycheck because Mm. that's the absolute like worst part of this business. I mean, even myself, it's just like, you never quite know the next. And I think probably for you too, with photography, you don't necessarily like know so far in advance what you're going to be making. Um, and so you're kind of always like stashing money into savings just to carry you like, should another pandemic come out of nowhere and everyone cuts their budgets. Um, But uh, yeah, so I I would say like those kind of tips and I think someone being really like smart with their savings and money and understanding finances is really important if you're going to kind of do any sort of entrepreneurial um, project where there are unknowns about being able to get paid and pay your bills and you know. Feel like you're successful in that way, in that way, as well as being successful in like achieving the creative goal that you want within the, that, whatever that career is.
0: Hmm. That's great. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And so I, my, my big takeaway from what you're saying is basically, um, yeah, starting at something that's like sort of secure, but, but that allows you to build relationships like, a, I forget what you called it, like a, an agency or some sort of... Um,
1: well, just like a staff, a staff job, side. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like you're you're an employee somewhere, right? So, like go look look for yeah. editorial assistant positions at magazines, yeah. um, or websites. You know, work even companies like Goop and you know these other oh, yeah. sort of lifestyle e-commerce brands that they, they have content as a part of it. I mean, even Airbnb has a magazine, yeah. and of course they're only featuring you know, anything related to Airbnbs, you know, they're definitely not writing about luxury hotels, Mm. but you know, it's still great experience. Um, that's going to help you no matter what you do. And then you can feel more comfortable to launch freelance a little later on when you feel like you have, you've been established because one of the things actually that everyone looks at and myself, when I was an editor as well, and I was looking at hiring freelance writers is they want to see your portfolio Mm. and you have to, put that together. You know, it can't just be your like musings in a Word document <laughs> from high school or yes, college. Um, so right. You know, they need to be actually published pieces. So, you know, college newspapers are a great place for that. You know, I when I was an undergraduate, I wrote a ton for my college newspaper just to get experience mm. just to get those clips. And that was really helpful for me in my beginning jobs. This as is
0: well. such solid, solid advice from a New York Times writer. I appreciate this so much. And yeah, you're right. You, uh, you're right. And I also think like being in um, staff positions like that, like ho- hopefully you're around other people, but but you start to get to know like who's who and what people are doing and where people are going and and uh, what's interesting. And it also just will tell you a lot about like what kind of people you want to work with or like what kind of topics are interesting to you because not everything is, right? And so writing for a group, you will definitely be like, Writing about specific topics for a specific demographic, and and maybe that's like exciting, or you'll find out really quickly that that's like not where you want to be, and and all of that is information like from just doing it in the real world. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think that you know, as at least as a journalist now, I mean, I'm not talking about creative writing here, but you know, when you're writing about nonfiction yeah. topics, um, including journalism. And or, and, or like working for a brand is, you know, having a specialty is definitely really helpful. And that can be a topic specialty, such as, you know, I mentioned that I write about wine and yep. weddings, um, but it's also a technical specialty. I mean, if you are able to do some of the unglamorous type of writing, um, SC, understanding SEO and how to maximizing traffic, mm. um, UX copywriting on websites, I mean, doing the things like the call to action buttons that say buy yeah. now, or um, the UX copywriting, the metadata, like all of that. I mean, I think even sometimes those writers are more in demand oh, these days yeah, than, yeah. you know, someone that knows a lot about wine, because, you know, there's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff about a lot of things. Yeah. Um. And so any way that you can differentiate yourself as well by gaining skills in a couple different areas is also... That
0: yeah helpful. that's like uh f- fine you know recognizing your passion and just going like leaning super deep into it i think is uh probably extremely beneficial um
1: yeah i mean i always followed like the things that i loved you know to engage i mean i guess i was always a lifestyle person i always knew i wanted to be in yeah. lifestyle and maybe write about fashion or like home design or or some or food but um Nowadays it's like everybody is looking for healthcare writers. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm like darn I should have been a healthcare writer like you know science writers they're they're so, like just everybody wants them right now um and before that it was all about tech like tech writers people who were like up in Mm. like who's who in silicon valley and had connections at venture capitalist firms and you know these incubators that were trying to you know produce the next apple or facebook or instagram or whatever um so I, I I think that it's important to kind of know what yep. you like and, and but also pay attention to what the market is looking for and maybe try to find a middle. Ground. Yeah,
0: or, or know what you like. And then like, you know, if you like wine, there's still a way to relate wine to the coronavirus pandemic. You know, you, you just have to like, uh, it takes a little like mental exercise. But I'm sure there's tons of topics there as well, like impact on the wine industry or how like, subscription sales have gone up for for wine lovers and all that kind of stuff you know there's all kinds of ways to stay relevant right
1: yeah well i mean you're so business minded <laughs> but i think you pretty much just said what i was okay. going to probably say next is um i noticed i noticed that you know while i'm still in lifestyle topics i definitely went from writing the kind of articles that are, say, you know, five rosés to drink this summer at a picnic to being much more of a business Mm. story. So I would say that the majority of my writing that I do now is a business angle at these industries. Um, Like the wedding industry, for example, is worth $80 billion in the United States. I mean, there's a lot happening there. That's nowhere near the letter like two trillion that the technology okay. <laughs> industry is is worth, but you know, eighty billion is yeah. still hefty, and it is something that touches a lot of different people uh, because a lot of people get married in their life, yeah. um, and so I found that there's a lot of a lot of stories like, hidden in there if you're willing to kind of dig mm, into
0: it. I love that. Yeah, so wise, Stephanie. So I, I want to know if you. This is like a funny question, but I am I, I want you to be honest, like, is this the life that you want? Are you living um, the life of your dreams or is there a little bit, is there more of a dream out there for you?
1: I would say I'm definitely working on the, uh, the life yes. of my dreams for sure. You know, since since I knew that, you know, being a freelance journalist was always an option and um The ability to kind of make your own hours, to seek out the good stories, to spend weeks investigating something if you wanted to do it, um, to be able to travel, to um, be a parent where you could see your kid during the day and not feel like, well, I left at eight in the morning and I came back at seven or eight at night and my kid's not asleep and I saw them Mm, for 15 minutes, you know. I I knew that I was always very attracted to this idea, right? Because there's so many positives in it. Um, I don't know if I'm quite there yet with exactly where I want my business to mm-hmm. be um, in terms of like the success of it. But I am definitely down a pathway that is very, yeah. very exciting.
0: So to so me. T- tell me and be honest, like where what's next for you or, or what, what other goals have you not met yet? And I also have like goals that I'm striving towards as well. So like, um, yeah, I would expect that, I guess. But but where do you want to be uh, next in your career?
1: So I think that I want to always be pushing myself and expanding what I do. You know, I don't really like to get too comfortable, which is why Mm -hmm. I think, I've never been suited for any sort of job that took place in an office. <laughs> um, I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? I would, like, I've done this, check the box. Like, what am I doing next? So I think that there's one part of me that's, Oh, you know, there's other publications that I want to write for. I'd love to have a byline in this place mm. or that place. And then the other part is expanding just my own kind of technical knowledge of what I'm doing. So I want to do a little bit more content strategy and working with, either private companies or publications to kind of help out in that capacity as well. It's something that you do get to do a little bit of when you work on staff somewhere, but as a freelancer, you don't necessarily take part in that unless you are kind of hired in a consulting capacity to do something like that. So I would love to have some of those kind of projects because I noticed that my day was feeling really one-sided. Like it's all just like interviewing people and writing words. And I wanted to kind of utilize other skills that I have and then kind of break up the day. So it feels like more exciting to me.
0: My question was, is there a dream company in there that you're describing? Like, like a dream company Um, that you'd love to work with.
1: I have some, but I'm I'm not, I'm not going to tell. All
0: right. I knew you weren't going to tell me. I was, I had to ask. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, I hope that does. Those...
1: I can't give away. I can't give away all, all of right, my secrets right. on a podcast.
0: <laughs> I still. I'm sure your dreams will come true, and you're incredibly ambitious and well connected. So, like, it it won't be long, I think, before you're doing exactly what you want there. So that's cool. I'm I'm curious about how you approach this this idea too. Um, you already said that you've been doing this for about 15 years. So, do you feel like there are phases of a freelance career? Like, like, would you break your 15 years up into like fives or threes or anything like that? Or has it just been like one kind of blurred process for you?
1: Hmm. I would say much of it is a blurred process because, you know, I was working on staff as an editor at publications and companies and then freelancing here and there on the side in different subjects that I really enjoyed, Um, you know, for a while, even though I worked at a full-time job, I was a freelancer for people magazine Mm. in the evenings. And I would go be one of those like red carpet reporters. Um, this is amazing when like the, yeah yeah yeah, and like um when like the gossip girl cast were like the biggest people and they'd be attending some like store opening and I was supposed to get a few quotes from them to see if we'd use it in the magazine or um go to fashion week and like see who would show up at a fashion show uh back when you know this was all happening at Bryant Park and you know like I I I was doing those kind of things too right so it was just like a creative outlet for Mm. me and it was fun and it was helping me build clips and you know I also for years freelanced for for, and actually still do I just wrote a piece for them for a trade publication in the gourmet food industry called specialty food and I absolutely love it you know I feel like I find out about these products years before they ever cool. hit the shelves in Whole Foods and then when I then when I'm shopping for my groceries and I'm like hey I totally remember that kombucha brand when the girl was telling me she was like making it in her basement
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> um, and like now she's like on the shelves you know so yeah uh, I there were those kind of little yeah. moments but it is mostly a blur. But I would say the last 3 years um I have approached a little bit more tactically in terms of okay year 1 this is what I want to do mm. year 2 this is what I want to do and like all the way I wanted to give myself a 5 year okay. plan um which I'm still working on obviously because I'm in year 3 and the pandemic definitely shifted things a little bit. Yeah. Um so I think it's I think the answer to your question is both. But I also think that when I was starting out, I didn't think about it in a business capacity. I don't even know if I had taken a business class (laughs) at that point to be able to even put together what my like loose business plan would be for Stephanie Kane, the writer. Whereas, you know, doing it in my 30s, I had more knowledge of how to actually make that successful and put it down on paper and say, here are the goals and here's what I want to to achieve at the end of it across a couple of totally categories. Totally
0: and, and I'm, you know, my, my question isn't even like, did you have a plan? It's a little bit more um, esoteric, I guess. Like For, for me, I, I feel like I've been doing this for 13 years now. And I, I want to say like the first five years felt like a really like a building phase for me. I was like building relationships, building my website, figuring out my pricing and branding and all this stuff. And then the second five years were like sort of establishing myself as an authority a little bit more or like figuring out my position, you know. And so I wonder if you've like it sounds like there was like an early phase for you of the writing career where you were kind of doing like the glitz and the glam. And then I wonder if there was a time like after a few years of that where you sort of settled into like a niche and then and then you've And now you've like transitioned onto your own. And so it sounds like you've had some natural phases throughout this process, I think. And, and I'd be, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say any of it was intentional. It was definitely like, Hey, okay, here's what's going on in the world right now. What's another good opportunity. And I would like take it at the time with the end goal of like still striving to be kind of like the best writer editor I could be and would love to like head any sort of content team in the future, mm. um, you know, it used to be I want to be an editor in chief of a magazine, that job is now translated to like head of content, the yeah. same idea, right? Um, so that was always the end goal. But the pathway to get there was like, if you know, you've probably seen those those graphs, and people think it's just like this uphill line to get to your goal. But it's actually like, yeah, scraggly, yeah, 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 exactly. going every direction, <laughs> like intersecting back with itself. I mean, I definitely think that's been my life. It's just like this googled up mess. But like, It's definitely this momentum is going in one direction. That's good. Yeah.
0: I I could see that for you as well. It's always, it might be squiggly, but it's still kind of heading upwards. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Cool, Stephanie. This is great. I I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but I'll end it kind of on maybe my last favorite question. What is something interesting that you've read, listened to or watched lately that you'd love to share with the readers? You love this. I do. I think it's. Yeah. (laughs) I
1: remember. I remember going to your house pre-pandemic when you had that get together of a bunch of cool people that you knew, and then you posed that question to the group. Yes, you did. Um, But I do. I like it. Um, That's a great question. I feel you know. I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently, and. We were we both love reading a lot of books and we love to get really nerdy mm-hmm. about our books. I mean, we wanna read the Pulitzer Prize mm-hmm. winners and these nonfiction books about all different types of subjects and and heavy books like about the tragedies of the world. And we were like, All I wanna read is like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I need like an escape yeah. right now. And I noticed that in even my Netflix. I was, you know, let me watch Emily in Paris, like, let me watch okay, Bridgerton and like <laughs> So Really, really fluffy stuff, but I will say I have read a couple of really excellent books. I read and I, uh, a book called Pappy Land, which um just came out, I think, uh, right just before heard of Christmas. This recently.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's the story about Pappy Van Winkle Bourbon in Kentucky, and the family has been through lots of ups and downs with this brand and reinvention, uh, which is a lot of, a lot of people don't know it because when they hear Pappy Van Winkle, they think, oh my God, that's thousands of dollars for a bottle for this mm. like whiskey. Like why, why? Um, and so it was really cool to kind of get into the story of the family, but I really respected the book for the writing. Oh. Um, the author is a journalist named Wright Thompson. Um, I don't know him, but now mm-hmm. I want to. Um, he is a beautiful writer and the way that he's put together the profiles of the main person that he's featuring from the family in the book was just, I loved it. Like I, I wish I could write that beautifully Mm. of a profile about someone. I felt like I was taking writing notes as I was reading it. Um, And I want to find more and more of his work. I know he's done a lot of profiles for ESPN magazine about sports figures, which I was like, if if you are writing, how you took this style of writing and applied it to something yep. like sports or drinks, uh, it's very fascinating I love me. that. So I, I liked it for, for, yeah, for both reasons. And that was a real standout for that's me. That's such
0: a great way yeah. to love a book. I, I really I enjoy what I would call like delicious books, you know, where like the sentences are, are interesting and tasteful and, um, that's so great. Okay. Great recommendation. Happy Lend. Yeah.
1: Can I, can I list, can I, can give, I me give one you more. one yeah, more Yeah, besides Bridgerton and Pappy land. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no um but uh and I had lots of problems with Richardson by the way so I don't really I don't really recommend that to anyone um but uh I did read since I mentioned that you know a good friend of mine that we always trade book recommendations she uh told me about this like very fun you know chick lit style book called The Kiss Potion Mm. and I read it and I loved it and I was just so impressed because I think that that genre of book is very prescriptive. It kind of follows the same main character with the same problems, just in slightly Mm -hmm. different settings. And this one completely flipped the genre on its head. Um, And I don't want to give away too much about the book, but it tackles a lot for what would be a book, you know, marketed to women as a fun beach read. So I, you know, if that's kind of your style and you're looking for something that's really going to change it up, then uh, definitely check out the Kiss awesome. portion.
0: That's perfect. But, uh, yeah. Thank you. This is so good. Um, I, I think we're just going to end it right there on a happy note. And uh, I'm excited to see what your career brings you in the next five to 10 years. I know it's going to be amazing, Stephanie. So I'm happy I know you. And uh, thanks so much for coming on and chatting. Oh my gosh.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm off. Always happy to know you too.
0: Yay, have a beautiful day.
1: (laughs) You too.